What's happening, everybody? My name is Sean Pitcher. I am the host of Your Roots Podcast. We are coming at you with episode number six with Christina Chu, correct? That's me. I always try, try to make sure I'm saying the right thing at the very end because sometimes I mess people's names up, so I always want to double check. I think it'd be really hard to mess my name up. <laughs> you never know. I've been, I've been made wrong before. <laughs> so really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Um, the great thing about with, with Christina and, and kind of having different types of dietitians from different spaces. Um, you know, one of our first dietitians we had on was in Division One. Um, she kind of has her niche kind of in the football space. Christine is coming with us for multiple different internships. So I have some questions they're going to ask kind of from there, but she's specifically in the private practice. Um, so we're definitely going to dive a little bit more into that. But before we get there, Christina, could you tell everyone who is Christina Chu? I would love to. Um, so hi, everybody. My name is Christina Chu. I'm a performance dietitian based out of Chicago. Um, I've been here for just over two years now. Previously, before that, I was in Boston. Um, that's where I got both my bachelor's and my master's degree, did my dietetic internship, um, and passed my RD exam just about uh two and a half years ago, which is super exciting. Um, a little bit about me. I work, as Sean said, in the private sector, uh, and I focus a lot on combat and weight class athletes. Um, so think of your fighters, your wrestlers, all of those guys and gals are really my cup of tea. Um, more about me. Do you want me to talk about my roots now, Sean, or are we going to Absolutely. Wait <laughs> That's one of the things I want to really get from this podcast. And, you know, some people kind of just give us the rundown of like, oh, I've been to all these schools and done all these things. But I'm really this first question is just open to you. Like you can tell us as little or as much as you want. Um, again, I just want people to get to know each other, especially out in the field, just so you have a better understanding instead of just, oh, I'm an RD or, oh, I yeah. just in private practice. You're trying to you're trying to get my security answers, are you? Well, my mother's <laughs> maiden name is this. The street I grew up on is this. My first pet's name was this. My high school mascot. <laughs> it's all right. We'll put the Roblox up so that doesn't Yeah. <laughs> Be like, you have to answer these or else you're not a or good We cannot go on with the podcast. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Social security, everything. <laughs> um. Yeah, so how I became a dietitian, I've always had a love and, and passion for food. Um, my parents immigrated here from Taiwan. So Taiwan is, is in, if you don't know, it's a small country just outside of China. Um, and it's a very big food country. And I think every country calls themselves, you know, big foodies, but truly is a huge food culture. Um, and, you know, bringing that over to the States and growing up with all those delicious foods and dishes, um, food was just like a second language. I didn't understand that there were kids who, you know, I remember in high school, like lunch, right? The, the classic cafeteria, like situation of, you know, someone bringing in like a sandwich with just butter and that's it. Right. And that was their lunch. And I'm over here, like, why aren't they eating anything else? Or, you know, just curious to know about different people's food situation. And I've realized at a young age, how much that impacts so much of their life just outside of even that lunchtime too, right? Of, you know, uh, establishing a community, um, finding some source of, of joy and culture too. So I've always loved food. I knew I wanted to help people. Um, and I remember, you know, for me, I, I wanted to go to college and I was like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> and we're talking to my mom, we were sitting in the car after like tennis practice. 
she's like, what do you want to study? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, nursing maybe? And she was like, do you, you like, do you want to touch people? I was like, no. And she's like, you're not going to be a nurse then. <laughs> and I was like, I hate like wounds and like, oh my God, I just can't do it. So she's like, yeah, that's a no for you. She's like, why don't you study nutrition? I was like, you can study nutrition. I had no idea that that was a thing. I thought it, it was just food. Like I didn't know you can make it your whole profession besides like being a chef. Um, so I looked into um, becoming a dietitian, went to BU, Boston University, because I knew they had a program, um, a really good one too. And that kind of started my journey professionally um, in the sports realm. I actually didn't know that I wanted to do sports until I think grad school. So yes, I knew I wanted to be a dietitian. I thought I wanted to work in the corporate space um, or outpatient. I still love corporate wellness, don't get me wrong. It's such a fun group to work with. Um, plus here in Chicago, the office buildings are literally drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> but I um, wanted something more. You know, I wanted a, a career that would fill, fulfill me a lot more in that something where nutrition is directly related to the outcome of whosoever's job it is. So I remember my boyfriend or my boyfriend and then a couple people from school were like, why don't you do sports? And I was like, what could athletes possibly need help with? The classic, <laughs> like naive the classic response. You're just exactly. like, like they have all the resources. What could they possibly need a dietitian for? And, and then you figure out I was really wrong. They need a lot. So wrong. <laughs> and I'm glad to admit that now. And I'm, I'm, you know, everything happens for a reason, but you know, I'd be happy to say that, yes, I did have those misconceptions. Um, I kind of toyed it with the idea. And, and at the time in grad school, we had to do a practicum, which is basically like a, uh, rotation um, during your school program where you work under a dietitian. I did mine at BU's fueling station and that fueling station just opened maybe a year or two before I joined. So it was fresh, um, quite literally fresh. Uh, it was a former closet that turned into a fueling station and I just loved my time there. I mean, it was 6 a.m. wake-ups on Tuesdays and Thursdays or 6 a.m. like you have to be there Tuesdays and Thursdays and I was like, I like Monday and Wednesday, I was like, I cannot wait to wake up tomorrow and like just be in that environment. Um, I, would, I would say yeah. just to interrupt you there, like just, yeah. it just brings a different energy. Like the coaches, the athletes, like there's just energy. There's this presence that like gravitation, like makes you want to be around those type of individuals versus exactly. like long-term care, which we've all had to go through because we've all had to do our internships because it's required. It's like, I remember the first time I had to do that. And I was just like, well, whoever the dietitians are who are in this space, love you guys. Cause I don't think love I can do that. Like I need to be around individuals that have work ethic and are excited and want to be here now. Now yeah. all, every single athlete wants to be there. Every coach wants to be there, but the overall presence of those situations is, is really like no other in a lot of, in a lot of spaces. Right. And, and totally to piggyback off that, then my next naive thought of like every athlete I'm going to work with is going to be super disciplined. And nope. Then I realized that I've had some, even like corporate people who are in a different camp than, um, athletes, but who are, I would say a much better client than a professional athlete that I've worked with, you know? So for me, what I've learned in my practice is that it doesn't matter what their title is, just as long as they truly value you as a practitioner and whatever your role is. Cause I've worked with creatives. I've worked with actors, writers, like everyone all over the board. 
everyone has specific nutritional needs and that cannot be just tossed out the window just based on their occupation. Like everybody needs help, whether you're in long-term care or whether you're an athlete or anyone in between. So absolutely God bless the people who work in long-term care. We love them. Um, but you know, every dietitian has their own kind of niche and uh, role to fill. And that's just not either of ours. And that's totally fine. Um, I know a couple and they're like, I cannot do what you do. So like we, we help each other out in that regards. Exactly. I mean, you, you gotta be passionate about what you do and like what you do. Cause no one wants to go to work every single day, miserable <laughs> and having yeah. a bad time. Cause it's good. You're going to get burnt out quicker, or you're just not going to be in that space much, much longer. And again, it, it takes some weaning out. Like you said, it takes some time to figure out like what that niche is going to be. And it might be having exposure to several different things, which is a lot of times during our rotations, they expose you to lots of different options mm -hmm. that you can go into you know, for the simple fact that hopefully one of those options hits for you. And that gives you one, it gives you, okay, let's say sports nutrition didn't work for us. Well, we know corporate or clinical, or there's, there's all these other spaces we can essentially go under to do what we want to do at the end of the day and still love what we do. Exactly. Exactly. And that segues perfectly into, um, you know, my time at BU, I was like, this is great. I love this. I love this environment. I want to be involved however I can. Um, that led to me reaching out to Clint from the UFC PI, Cliff Clint. Oh my God. I just called him Cliff. Clint Wattenberg. <laughs> well, Cliff lives this. He's going to give you a hard time later on. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Cliff, mm -hmm. like Clifford, the big red dog, um, big red Cornell. It works. Hey. Um, I know. Anyways, Clint um, from the UFCPI, I reached out to him through the CPSDA directory. I was like, who would be the toughest group to work with? Weight class athletes. They're not only athletes, they have to make weight. And me being a total nerd, I'm like, I want like, the, like I feel like weight class athletes is like TPN. Like it's so complex that mm, I'm here for it. It's, I mean, yeah, that, like it's a challenge. So like super challenging. That's definitely one question I wanted to ask you. Also, you had your internship there. You said you know you work with a lot of weight class athletes in your practice. We've we've seen either amongst us being an athlete or seeing other athletes, you know, that can be a big challenge. And a lot of times it's not always done in the right way with shifting their weight or what they're supposed to eat or how they're supposed to hydrate or the practices in which they do it. Um, so could you kind of expand upon like what is the right way in weight class sports? and how to do it the appropriate way, or what are some strategies you could essentially implement if you are one of those types of athletes in those sports? Yeah, so for weight class athletes, you know, and just to preface with all athletes, every athlete is different. We're starting from different places. Um, and so the foundations, the roots, if you will, are what's most important. But overall for weight class athletes, most weight class, most weight class athletes are trying to go down in weight. That does not take two days. That takes months. That takes years. That takes days. Like that takes time. It's not a grocery it's, bag and a, and a run on the trip now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's plenty worse than that, but absolutely. Sure. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Um, it's a year, I think, um, I think it was Duncan from the UFC says this, it's a year round fight camp and it truly is. And I was actually just talking to one of my weight class athletes right before this, um, a couple sessions ago, and, and they were saying how they have a teammate who doesn't understand that and is like, oh, I'm super disciplined. Like, 
like I'll run on the treadmill with my my garbage bags and I'll you know do all these extreme measures and my athlete is just perfect like on par right where she right where they're supposed to be and I'm like let's just kind of reflect on that like is that discipline, you know, is waiting until the last minute doing something based on ego or, or just, you know, not really thinking through it, asking for advice or, or asking for advice and then not following it or just not asking at all. Is that truly what makes an athlete? I don't know. That's a golden question. But if you're asked me, I would say no. Yeah. Right. I think he's going to get burnt out real soon or get injured or, um, anything and and his career might end short so like and that's the unfortunate thing a lot of times it's like you don't want those things to happen but it's almost like the athlete has to go through one of those situations oh absolutely something negative happens before like the light bulb goes off and they're like all right maybe i should ask questions or listen to somebody or absolutely my teammates working with a sports dietitian that has done this with multiple athletes and had success. Maybe I should have a conversation with with him or her you know (laughs) right right absolutely and 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 yes, it is my job to help, but there are some people that, you know, stages of change, right? Like aren't even ready. So I can't help that. I cannot help those people, unfortunately. Like they need, they themselves fully need to understand that it is a little vulnerable to be like, this is what I do or, and be open to change versus just kind of sticking to your ways or sticking to your coach's ways. Um, That was an eye roll. If anyone can hear an eye roll, that was it. Um, just being open-minded, like open-minded, like that mindset. is, but wouldn't you say that that is truly what the, where the discipline lies? Like that's scary, you know, like steamrolling through things and just doing what's tough. That's easy at this point. You know, I can ask 10 athletes to eat bricks for breakfast and they'll do it, mm-hmm. but that's truly not like really where the work happens, you know? But there, there's a other challenge of it too, is just where they come from, what their environment was, the coaches exactly. they respect and worked with in the past. Like that's all they know. And again, anyone gets a little glimpse of success from that. Um, you know, even though they might be a gen- genetic specimen as well, like that's just like, well, this is what I'm going to continue to do. And it's, it's hard to get out of the, you know, those feedback loops or those continuous yeah. loops that you keep going through over and over. Because again, the mind, the body wants to go back to what's easy and what you know, instead of, you know, they are challenging themselves in a lot of ways, but it's mm-hmm. not challenging themselves in the most efficient way. That's going to ultimately get them to the, the goal that they want to get to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've had, um, there was a case where I've had a wrestler who, um, for, you know, brevity reasons, tried it my way. Um, the way that we, you know, came up with together, had an awesome weight cut. Then the next week, tried it his coach's way, uh, had cramps, lost his match, like, wasn't really performing well. And then I asked him, you know, which one did you like better? He goes, absolutely. The first way, the way that we did it together, but he needed to do it his coach's way to get their coaches buy-in because the coaches did not trust what I was doing. They're like, who is this girl giving recommendations? You know, I was a former wrestler, blah, 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 blah. But you know, coaches were saying, Hey, you're not sweating enough. Coaches were saying you don't look dehydrated enough and, you know, not giving necessarily proper performance advice. Um, and that's, so, and that's I mean, yeah. it's, it's super tough because it's like the coach could be a really good coach, right? Amazing. It's specifically like what they're trying to educate and teach and, and provide to the athlete, but it's like, and then it's tough because the athlete's torn, right? Like I had better success with her 
but this, I do really good with this coach and I've gotten better in my specific sport. And let's say it's martial arts or wrestling, whatever it is. So it's like, what do I do? Like, am I going to keep going back to the coach and doing what he says? Cause I'm like, what's, what's the balancing act that you mm -hmm. have to play. And then it's like, you got to ask yourself the other question. Well, if this coach keeps telling me to do this, but then I keep losing, it's ultimately not the right result for me. Do I then go find another coach? So it's like, there's all these yeah. variables that you have to think of. And it's like, what's best for me and what's the best situation. And do I not want to burn a bridge? And it's, it could be mentally taxing. Yeah. And, and I, I have developed certainly over my years of, of practicing that one, I am not their only nutrition voice. They hear nutrition from every, literally everybody, their mom, their dad, their teammates, their teammates, friends, like the social media, their coaches, uh, other athletes, like they hear nutrition through so many other people, plus me. It's like everyone. And then there's like one practitioner who they see on like a weekly basis. And because I'm in private practice and consulting, I'm not there every single day on the sidelines. Right. So for me, it's like, I have to make my message efficient and strategic in that there's no other way. There's no, you would be dumb to try and do nutrition any other way. <laughs> exactly. You want to work, almost work yourself out of a job or like to the point where like you do so well, like they can't afford not to have you. And they've seen the effects. They've seen the positives. They've tried the other ways. They've seen the negatives. You choose, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be like, you have to do it my way. Like, that's not me. I think that's really toxic, honestly, and yeah. not really conducive to athlete health. But I'm here to kind of push you in the general direction as you would want me to towards what I know is going to help you the best. And I have all the respect for coaches. Don't get me wrong. They're great. Like I could definitely not be a wrestling coach. I don't think you would want me to be a wrestling coach um, <laughs> at all, but like, I really do give props to the wrestling coaches who have reached out to me and we're like, I don't know what I'm doing in regards to helping my guys lose weight. And I'm like, well, I do. But I know nothing about skill. Like, don't ask me a single thing about how to do a takedown. Like, uh -uh. but I am super equipped on the weight making side. That's exactly what you want, though. Like a coach that just admits, is honest. I am. I'm not sure. This is how I used to do it. I know it's really not working. Could you please just help us instead of letting the ego take over and just say, well, this is how we do it. I'm going to do it. And this is the only way it's like, well, no, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. And yeah. guess what? There's someone else that could do it better. And it resulted in a better situation for that, that one individual. But yeah. again, some people are just, you know, so in their ways or so in those thought processes, like it could be very challenging or may never, again, like you said, the readiness to change, they may never want to change their mindset because of the no. status that they're at. And that's not where I belong. Yeah. Honestly, you know, if you don't want to change, that's fine by me. But like the athletes that I'm going to work with are going to have better nutrition than yours. So we'll see, right? It's, if it's a skill, like I've had plenty of athletes, honestly, it's a skill detriment that they have. And I'm like, I can't help you. You know, we've got your fueling down. It's not an energy thing. It's not an injury. It's not a um, uh, cramping. It's not hydration. It's not any of that. It's skill. So you know what, coaches, you, you do you and, and that's where you really thrive. But I struggle with the athletes that are like, there are things nutritionally that we can work on. But if you're not ready, you're not ready. And that's, that's fine. Honestly. Yep. You can only push as much as they want. I'm sure it's the same thing has gone for you. Like I've had athletes that will do stuff in the first week, the first month, you know, it might take athletes six months. I've had athletes where it takes them a year, you know, 
in team settings to even come up and ask me a question and, you know, it goes back because maybe they just don't trust, don't trust me or we don't have a relationship or, or the situation may be, but yeah, it's, it's not for us to force, be the food police or force stuff down their throats and make, make them learn and make them want to be better. Like they have to internally want to do that themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those lessons are really important to learn and to learn firsthand. So any, any failure is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a lesson learned. That's all it is. Absolutely. Um, so kind of the next thing I was going to ask you, obviously, you know, you being a private practice dietitian, you know, some dietitians might want to go specifically that route may not be one of the one that may work with athletes on an individual basis, but may not want everything that comes with having to be in that team setting and all the responsibilities that can come with it. Um, can you kind of explain to, you know, possibly dietitians that want to go that route? Like, how do you even start to become a private practice dietitian? Oh man. I know it was um, a big question. I'm sure, I'm sure it was challenging from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. So, um, in part of my journey, I became a dietitian. I passed my board exams in February of 2020. Um, and we know that time is March of 2020 and that's pretty much when the whole world shut down. Yep. So here I was bright eyed. I was still in Boston at the time. Like I've got things lined up with corporations. I've got things lined up. I've been talking to some teams, I'll see you in two weeks and then really never again. But I started my private practice out of necessity. At this time, I was, I was applying for jobs, fellowships, anything. And I still have my Excel sheet of all the places that I've applied to. And it's just and 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 for all the no's <laughs> that I've gotten or no responses. The freeze is real. <laughs> yeah. And truly though, right? I was living in the city, no no job really. Um, I live with my boyfriend, so he's more advanced in his career. I was like, and he, you know, had to find a new job basically. Uh, and we were both like, we can move, you know, like we can, move. nothing is holding us in Boston anymore. So why not? Life is short. Like why not pick a different place to live? So wherever he looked, I looked, wherever he looked, I applied for jobs too. Again, no luck. And I just was like, well, looking at my bank statement, I am currently red, so I need to make money. <laughs> and it happened that way. Of And I think if you ask people who knew me like in college, they'd be like, okay, we're not surprised though. I think it would have ended up this way anyways, but truly in the moment, it was like, I need to like do something with my job and with my career. I've tried applying for office assistant jobs, like outside of RD things just to make money and not like literally nothing. No one would hire me at least. And I, so I, re I remember, I mean, even, even where I was at prior to this, like hours were cut in half. It's like, mm -hmm. there goes half your paycheck. I mean, in a lot of situations, people were furloughed or let go. It's like, you're just trying to find whatever you can and make sure the bills are getting covered. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't care if I don't do dietitian things, but like having that feeling of financial insecurity is a great lesson learned, but I don't want to be back there ever it's again. It's Very so great. stressful. Like my heart goes out to people who have to deal with that every single week, but like for the majority of my career, that's been the fire under my butt is like, well, you've, you've experienced the worst. We don't go there again. Um, so I hate that, you know, it's not like a really fluffy or amazing way that it started, but it kind of happened out of survival. Um, 
I uh, networked here in Chicago and introduced myself virtually um, to different performance facilities, physical therapy, physical therapy clinics, gyms, like anywhere I can get my foot in the door. At this time, I was a new dietitian too. Did I let them know that? No, but like I was technically a new dietitian and um, yeah, that's kind of how things started. I've, I've, um, you know, I think the key is there. I mean, just even how you, how you talk on the podcast so far, it's just being confident. Like it doesn't matter if you're in the field for 10 years, or if you're just coming out and you just passed your exam. Like if you go into a lot of situations and jobs confident, like more often than not, you'll probably come out on top just because of your body language, how you presented yourself, and then how you're able to have a conversation or respond to questions. Whereas if you come in, you know, nervous and frantic and like all over the place, like, okay, well, you've been in the field eight years, but you could barely have a conversation with me. How are you going to have a conversation with this coach or this Mm -hmm. director of the business or whatever it is? I don't know if we're going to be able to trust you to do that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And like two things in that, um, because I think it's really important, especially for like dietetic students or new dietitians or anyone like who's kind of new in the industry and is like just thinking, oh my gosh, like how do I build my own private practice or what have you? Maybe there's multiple, more than two, but yes, that confidence is key in that if you yourself is having a conversation with someone who is unconfident and like kind of, you know, meek and portrays themselves that way, then you start to feel that way about them too. And you're like, they could be the greatest person in the world, but how they present themselves is so key in your perception of them. And I'm presenting myself to strangers. So they don't know who I really am. And so I need to like put that all out there. And that's when being like humble kind of does not go your way because they don't know all the amazing things that you've done. Now, do we want to be showcasing that all the time and always talk about yourself? No, but like in those moments, it's like almost like a sales pitch, right? And in that whenever you have a salesperson come up to you, you don't want them to just kind of be really passive. You want them to share all the amazing things about their product. It's just, you are the product. <laughs> um, and to play off yeah. of that point, I mean, like doing something like this would have never done this started my college and undergrad when I was younger, like I was very shy, didn't want to talk to people, very introverted. Like, I think the big thing that I hope a lot of colleges do, but I mean, our, our, when I went to Buffalo state, they exposed us to year freshman year, year one, you had to do a public speaking class. So you got exposed to having to talk in front of people in front of the room. And then several of our classes are 100, 200 level classes. They had multiple assignments where you had to present and speak in front of the room. And we had professors telling us over and over, like, in your job and your career, like you're going to have to talk to people and communicate mm-hmm. and have hard conversations. And like, we're trying to prep you from like day one to be able to do that. Because if you're not able to do that and, and they were just blunt, honest, <laughs> like you're not going to be able to make it in this field, like to be absolutely honest with you. And I mean, not all of our staff that I worked with, you know, at Buffalo State were at Ohio State and Penn State and, and, and Cornell and all these kind of higher level universities and went through extremely rigorous program. So they understood and were, we had the very fortunate opportunity for them to pass a lot of that on to us, you know, in that class I was in. 
Yeah, that's a huge area of passion of mine is communication. I actually got my minor in communication and took a public speaking course. My professor, Brian Krogh, like I worked with him afterwards as well, too, because I wanted to continue to improve my public speaking skills. And we've worked together, him and I, to, you know, what can I do better in my counseling sessions? Because that's public speaking. You're speaking to someone else. And um, he actually recommended a book for all my interns. I, rec I actually make them read this book. <laughs> um, it's called Confessions of a Public Speaker. And it's not a dietitian book by any means. It's a guy who does public speaking for a living and he walks you through why are people scared of public speaking? He walks you through some of the mistakes that he's made, some of the tips that he has. And this is more so in a lecture setting with like a giant lecture hall, which may not apply in the virtual space of like, how do you manage, you know, a small crowd in a big space, stuff like that. But still, it's a great book to read. I'm not a reader to be completely honest. So if I say it's a good book, like at least I have the attention span for it, but it's truly a great book that I make all my interns read because I think it's so valuable in the dietitian space. And I think that, you know, to, I like to be completely transparent and open. I think there's a lot of criticism for dietitians. I've heard this from other people who say this about our group of people in that we don't know how to speak to the athletes because we're so clinical yeah. and like this, who cares what your GPA or who, or who cares where you went to school or what knowledge you have, but if you can't speak to the person in front of you, they do not care. They will not follow your advice. And guess what? They don't care about the glycolysis cycle. <laughs> is that what the rest of this podcast is going to be? All right. Step no, one. that's, I mean, that's, that's a whole other discussion to, to have a conversation about, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well. I mean, some of the best advice I got, you know, as I was kind of going up through undergrad and graduate school was, especially when I was going to graduate school, like, don't go get your master's degree in nutrition. Like, you're, you're going to learn pretty much everything you're going to need to learn in undergrad, like in sports nutrition, right? Like, it comes down to a lot of hands on experience, because a lot of undergrads don't essentially prepare you for the sports nutrition field, like there's a lot of improvement that, you know, essentially needs to be done in that area. Um, but their big thing was like, you know, get a master's in business or psychology or communication, like do something that's going to essentially um, accompany what you did in your undergrad program to make you more valuable when you go out to the field and to provide you more experience so that you know how to then communicate with probably some of those staff members or people you're gonna have to work with, right? Like mm -hmm. when I got done with football and undergrad, I did, um, I worked with, I interned with the strength conditioning coach. And that was kind of like my very beginning when I started before I even got into nutrition. And that's what I ended up getting my GA position. So I get my master's paid for, right. Did I expect that to happen? No, but like that gave me a start and a path to kind of go from, but, but when it comes to now having conversations with strength conditioning staff or other staff that's within sports medicine, right now I can speak the lingo. I love to lift and train so I could talk mm -hmm. to them about training and it makes those conversations a lot easier, you know, between those certain staff members. Exactly. Yep. I fully resonate with that. So kind of go back to the one point you said there, um, is there any, anything else you feel within the field of dietitians or nutrition or sports nutrition? Do you feel any, there's anything that you think needs to be better for our field to essentially progress and build and move forward in the direction it needs to? Many things, um, which this is all a journey, right? Every field is evolving, like every field. But 
for me, the biggest thing is communication, right? You're not the only nutrition voice. You're not like a doctor. People are like, okay, I'll do whatever the doctor says. Honestly, no. Even now they're like, no, I'm just going to Google it and like do whatever WebMD says. So even doctors are struggling with that. Or TikTok special. Oh my <laughs> God, John. I knew that oh, was going to get you. Blood pressure through the roof. Right but up there. Literally right up there. Hypertension. Um. <laughs> No, but like, in, in, seriously, though, like all of these voices and there's TikTok now has um like TV ads for us geriatrics. And um, they're like, it's like TikTok taught me how to do this. And it's like a, an ad about how you can learn so many things on TikTok, which I think is great for dietitians to leverage that platform or whatever. But it also really worries me in that TikTok is not like sifting through these, right? And seeing who's, like, that's not a thing. Um, and so really it's up to the user to be like, that's good or that's not. Especially with our younger athletes, they have no idea, but it's colorful, it's flashy, it's catchy. Like that's the one. 15, so, 30 seconds, it made me laugh and it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool transitions, whoa, right? And that is unfortunately now the seemingly new standard of, of education. Um, I think it can be utilized in a great way, but it can also be really dangerous. So this is again, the importance of having a strong communication skill, which can be developed throughout time and should be developed throughout time um, as a dietitian not just being a good clinician and being able to read labs, but also being able to talk to your group because they are going to have so many other voices besides yours that may actually have more weight than your dietitian words. Or, or we get really frustrated with them not responding or not asking this stuff. And it's like, I've been around enough athletes now. It's like you look at their phone and it's like you scroll through and it's a thousand different messages on their phone from a thousand different people. And it's like, you could have definitely messaged them or text them or FaceTime them, but it's like, Hey, I, I have all these people contacting me and I just, you, you could have definitely reached out, but I have, I have zero clue. Yeah. See, look, at that's <laughs> literally my phone right now. I'm like, uh, we're in the same me. situation. A lot of the times as well, just getting bombarded from all angles from a bunch of different people. Isn't that crazy? Like, let's just like take a moment to think about that. That would never happen 10, 20 years ago. Like this is truly like, just, it's like an overstimulation of information. It's not like instant messenger. <laughs> if anyone knows what that is. Your AIM. Did you have an AIM or did you have like, what was your? Oh, it was AOL and then it was AIM. Yeah. Bing. Yeah. You would yeah. set like your little skater boy, four, two, six, whatever. <laughs> I know we're dating like, ourselves, but people listening yeah. to this are hopefully going to understand what that was. If I hope so. Floppy disks, anybody? CDs cassettes yeah no, yeah that's beyond kids nowadays you say that stuff or even you try to ask them certain movies and they're like i don't even know what that even is who's adam sandler and you're like excuse me oh my god i can't i'm old <laughs> that's okay we're i don't call it old we're, we're seasoned, seasoned wise individuals mm -hmm. we got personality that's right um so kind of to, to finish this up at the at the end of our podcast here one of the things I, i'm starting to ask people you know instead of like oh what is your favorite book or what is your favorite um podcast or whatever it is what's maybe like two to three people that you would recommend to the audience that you that you think you need to follow you need to listen to them you need to like shoot them a dm that would provide like just endless amounts of information that could essentially improve or get them better and it could be just somebody you know, it could be a mentor, it could be just 
there's this person on Instagram I follow all the time. Kind of who are those two or three people you would tell the audience, like you need to like get on it and follow them? Yeah. So if um, anyone here is interested in weight class athletes, um, my guys, Alex and Austin from Building a Fighter, I've been on their podcast a couple times. Um, they're a really great resource to follow. They do a lot of strength conditioning rehab for the, the fighter population. And their podcast is really like practitioner friendly. So it just helps you like gain a wealth of information in that way. So I would definitely say one is Building a Fighter. Um, for like nutrition stuff, Recently, I've been following this guy named Adrian Chavez, Chavez, C-H-A-V-E-S-Z, sorry, and I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, um, but I really like his information. It's just like little nuggets of nutrition information that's really easy to comprehend. So um, I would say he is someone that I really enjoy following. Um, that's all that comes to mind right now, but again, I... I can tell you there are plenty of people, but it's again, over simulation overload. I'm just not remembering them at this time. I know we're at the end of the day. It's one of those <laughs> questions. You're like, I'm going to get off the podcast and I'm going to have like 50 that I could write yeah. in a few seconds. And it's like, exactly. Well, I'm hey, scrolling through my feed though, but I don't see anyone at the top of my feed. That's why at the end, right. We're going to, you know, put your contact or information in the bio or you can, I know you have Instagram, correct. Mm -hmm. And you also have a website, which we'll put there as well. So if you want to hit up Christina and ask her anything else besides that, again, I know she's typically a very open person willing to have a conversation. Um, Maybe a little too open, Sean. Maybe a little too open. That's okay. It makes it makes the conversation fun and enjoyable. It doesn't it? That's what I think too. No, no one wants to be a boring Betty out here. Come on now. Well, well. there are a few boring Bettys that I can think <laughs> of off the top of my head. <laughs> well, not us. We're going to keep this like energetic and vibrant and exciting. We're not going to exactly. Be that's not the exactly. podcast we're trying to have here. Yeah, you want a boring podcast, everyone? The first step to glycolysis is... <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me. I don't remember. Yep, don't remember either. <laughs> but guess what? I know don't what a carb know. is and I know what an example is. Boom, we're good. We're good. And we know what it does and yep. how it works. That's all that matters. Exactly. But Christina, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on here today. Um, hopefully, you know, the viewers take a lot of really good nuggets that came across within the podcast. Um, again, same thing for me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel where I'm also starting to put out videos besides the podcast. I'm starting to do some nutrition videos, just basic sports nutrition, um, anywhere between three to 10 minutes. I'm just trying to get that information out there to people that maybe don't have access to that or don't know, you know, what are just some basic inf nutrition information that they can use and apply in their everyday lives, whether it's general pop or sports nutrition. Um, so again, Christina, thank you for coming on and we will see you later. Of course. Bye. 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 Bye.